Welcome to What's Good Under the Hood. I've been told to start the damn show. I think we should eventually start with with a song, a musical selection. And I've got that. I've got the one that we should start with. Okay. Car wash. Rose Royce working at the car wash. I, I was thinking you were going to go with uh, uh, something from a musical, maybe something from Rent. I don't know any of those. Oh, of course you do. Andy How about Les Mis? All... You know all the music. Les Miserables. <laughs> we should have some fun and uh, put up a pad here and watch Andy spell some of these things yes. on a pad. That would be fun. There you go. I don't think it would be any fun at all. Talk to us, Mississippi. Come on, man. Yeah, what's up? What's up? <laughs> That's no, it's what's good under the hood. What's That's good the under podcast. the exactly. hood? Hey, right down there on the if you're watching on YouTube, please like, subscribe, and share the show. Rob will send you five dollars for every one you share. Yes, share five dollars in Monopoly money. <laughs> you are welcome. That's my contribution to the show. What is good under the hood, folks? Well, actually, I was talking with Greg while uh, Andy was going to get coffee because Andy needs. Andy coffee. didn't get me any coffee. I didn't, I didn't get any too because I drank a lot of coffee. For he didn't morning, even so. offer me anything. It's just the way Andy is. I'll go get some. There's no there. No, stop it. There's no I in Andy, but there is a me. Is that what it was down the there? The one podcast there was an I at the end. At the end of my name, the Andy. Yeah. There was an I in Andy, but I got a bottle of water, so I'm good. So, Greg, it seems like price, car prices have gone up at, uh, I don't want to say a drastic amount, but a good clip because of the pandemic. And this article from NBC News. NBC News. Y'all did that good. NBC News. My, my friend uh, Tom Pollard, he... Uh, Used to work for NBC News, and so I always call him. You can look at my phone. It says Tom Pollard, NBC News. So that's sorry. That was his closeout. Dude, you should be a VO guy for the networks. That was awesome. Do it again. Tom Pollard, NBC News. Tom Pollard, NBC News. Oh, Stop you're really good. Thank you. Showing off Woods. <laughs> sorry, you're, I sound you're like much a, better than me. That's all right. I, I have like to. a cat in a so, blender. Let me tell you a funny story. Too. So we were cutting a commercial here earlier. <laughs> And I was doing an a commercial an- for Mazda of Columbia. Yes. And I was doing an Andy Woods imitation mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's pretty good. But the key is I, ha- I still have to work on his inflections because what I, my goal is, is to go in, in there and cut, you know, what's good under the hood commercial. And it's me talking to me and then have him come in at the end. But uh, that would make my job a lot easier. I still get paid as much. Right. Even no. if I don't know, I want the money. <laughs> so, but it was, I, I had. I had some pretty good stuff there. I was close. Yeah, you did. I was, I was work on well, that. I, I think we should have virtual Andy. I'll just record Andy saying a couple of different things like, hey, I'm Andy Woods. Hey, Greg, what's good out of the hood? And then we'll just we'll just loop we'll those just together. Yeah, Saves we'll just, us money. Just loop together. And then we'll have just a, a portrait of Andy sitting there that I'll move with my hand a little bit so people think he's moving. We'll just make virtual Andy. Stay at home. Exactly. Home. I would get in a lot less trouble if I stayed at home. Yeah. I think I'm in trouble. What? I think I'm in trouble with the boss today. We were on a conference call. Yeah. And I was in the room, and I, I don't like conference call. I don't like meetings, team meetings. Like, uh, whatever. Because you're not on the team. And so my boss's boss comes to my door, and he says, "How you doing, Andy?" I, said, oh, I just got done with a meeting. I hate meetings. And he said to me, "He said I've been meetings in meetings for two days, and I got anything done." I said, and I wanted to say, "Well, that's your problem." But he is my boss's boss, so I said. And by the way, one of the you. nicest people that you'll meet. Too. Ron, really, I would Ron agree with Ron Hill is the bomb. Nice. I'm not just saying he that really because yeah. he's he's my boss's boss too. But Ron Hill's Ron Ron Hill's a great guy. We're so speaking of the, our iHeartMedia Columbia family. The thing yeah. is that he's not my boss, and I really like him. Well, there yeah. you go. He, he brings us snacks. Actually, I, I have to say this: I don't want to get off in the weeds where people mm-hmm. go. This is boring, but everybody in this building is amazing. 
I cannot believe how nice everybody is. And I appreciate that every time oh, I come here. That's because you're only here for like two hours at a time. You should. Oh, it gets ugly. <laughs> well, we, we had a, a programming summit a while back, not to go too crazy here, but uh, one of us actually called another person uh, the B word right in the middle of the programming summit in you front did. of everybody. It was who was? Oh, it was you me. did. My bad. We're talking about something <laughs> online, was, and you had taught me how to how to do some blog entries and stuff like that. Yeah. And you were talking about. And Rob was saying, "I'm number one in the world for this." And I, I didn't I, say I said, that. "I said I'm number two. Yeah. And, and he said, "You're my bitch." He said, "Well, who taught you, bitch?" And the whole room, and the whole room went like all the oxygen. It was like one of those oxygen depriving bombs over in Ukraine. All the oxygen just well, out of because the room. everybody looked at Andy like, "Is Andy going to get up and slap the hell out of him?" Because he probably deserves it. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, should. as soon as I said it, I was like, oh, "We no. could go on for like an hour about the inner workings of no, media, but we should not. talk about." Let's no, talk but about... there are very nice people here, and yeah. I appreciate that. I'm always treated well when I come in the door. Always right, nice. Let to her in. Let's talk about something that's worthwhile. But the price hike on cars, we were talking about this from NBC News before we got into the weeds there. This is NBC News. The report is from NBC News. And I'm going to read you the headline, Greg, and you can tell me what is right and what is wrong, maybe, about this headline. I'll just start right here. Everything's wrong. <laughs> then why read it? Let's just no. talk about it. No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, why not? That's wrong, too. Well, why don't we turn the temperature down? I'll get one of these contracts you left, and I'll just bundle it up, and there we'll be good go. to go. Uh, anyway, no, but it that? says, yeah, I, I didn't throw it away. I kept it as a prop. Sometimes I wear that during my show, which, uh, of course, is the rundown on Fox Sports Radio every right. day. But no, the headline, Greg, says price hikes on cars could be here to stay thanks to the pandemic. Thanks, China. Yes. That's the headline. And and it's perhaps it's correct. I, I vacillated, especially in the used car area. I had vacillated over whether or not they were going to take a dump here because they'd gone up, you know, 40% over the last year or so uh, due to the pandemic and the shortage of new vehicles due to chips and all that kind of stuff. And there's still a chip problem. So it's not getting any better. We still got about another year and a half before they recover from that fully. Uh, Ford is now shipping some vehicles with non-essential chip stuff safety. If it's all safety, they'll let it go. And then I guess they have to come back and do it later. So they're, they're still trying to work around some of those issues which helped hold prices high. But the thing that's shifted is that the manufacturer, first of all, as an industry, whether it be manufacturing, whether it be from the sales side, um, we're a very resilient and very, um, I, you know, we're just, we, we respond well to adversity in this industry. We always have, because we've always got something coming our way, gas or interest or. You make a great or, point. It, it, I mean, you yeah. can go back through time and there's always been something rowing against us. I mean, it could be legislative. There's just a ton of things that happen to us as an industry that uh, create adversity. And we're really, really adept to moving around and not getting stuck to where uh, we're, we're hurting. But one of the things that's happened in people, it's evident to everybody, is because of, you know, they're publicly traded companies. These manufacturers are making more money now than they've made in many, many years. And the reason why is because I believe they truly used to operate from a stance of ego. You know, who's number one in the world? Who's number two in the world? Who's number one truck manufacturer? And I saw it, you know, when, whether it be Ford or Chevy or, or even uh, Ram, as Ram started really taking market share with its newer pickups, uh, they were pouring the gas to, uh, I should use that term, gas. Yeah, I was thinking. They were putting the pedal to the metal on in incentives to overtake the other manufacturers. And, and that's doing business strictly from an ego perspective. Well, what the pandemic has done is it, it's kind of a reset in the sense that manufacturers are realizing it. 
they don't have to put all the pressure on these dealers to sell all these cars to make their margins or make their money when they're not giving out incentives to buy the car and the dealers are uh, holding firmer in the prices because they have less to choose from, they're actually uh, more profitable than they were before. So, you know, sometimes less is more. There's a point of diminishing return in everything that everybody does. And I'm sure it happens with the car manufacturer and sometimes their ego wouldn't let them figure it out. So in doing that, we're seeing a little bit of a taste of it uh, at Mazda. And that is that the uh, Mazda Club Sport, I guess is what it is. So it's the convertible. Um, we have two versions of a Miata. And one's the full fold down convertible and the other one's kind of got a hard top uh, that folds down. And that they're doing, they're eliminated part of them. Uh, the That particular model, I believe I said it right. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm just not in tune with that that much. But is that they're going to uh, have customers order that car, special order it. So if you want it, you got to order. It's going to take you six to eight weeks to get the car. It's just the way it works. And they're they're floating that because they're trying to see whether as a business, and I'm sure other manufacturers are doing something similar. I'm not involved with it. I'm, it's just a guess. But they realize that when we're working off thinner inventories and they can build to what they actually need, then supplier issues of oversupply, undersupply, all that stuff doesn't play into how a car is manufactured and the cost they can probably do it a whole lot more efficiently. So they're controlling the tempo or instead of having to go back and incentivize a car to get it gone, you know. I know, but with that though, you mentioned that's a very special car. If I want just a, a base model CX-5 and you, I come to see you and like right now you may have, I don't know, let's use a round number of 10 on site, okay? But maybe- It's a pretty good number. Well- You're pretty accurate. Well, there you go. But if you have 10 on site, but I want one that's a different color and has different wheels and maybe whatever, a couple other little things. Are we going to get to a point where when I come in, it's like I order a car and I have to wait on it a little bit, even if it's that base model? I hope not. And and the what we're hoping, I'd like to have, if I could manage a 45-day inventory, um, I would be pretty darn happy with that. I mean, we used to shoot for 60. To between 60 to 90, it, you know, if you're rolling and then if you had that, and that, and you and I talked earlier about having duplicates on the ground right. or models that were very, I mean, very it close. It keeps your overhead lower, doesn't it? Well, our interest cost, our flooring cost on right. the cars is lower. Um, you know, one of the things that we do is we pay interest on the new cars uh, that are on the ground. So we buy them from a manufacturer. Uh, the manufacturer, they ship them to us. They go on our flooring line, the credit line. So we actually don't, uh, technically own that car outright. And there's a lot of benefits for that. Number one, it's our cash. It wouldn't be all tied up. Most car dealers, including us, we own our used cars outright, um, but we floor our new. But if something catastrophic happens to all those uh, new cars. It's not on you. The insurance is covered under that, not under our garage keepers, but it's covered under the flooring company's policy. So there's some advantages all the way around that we look at when we do business. And um, a lot of manufacturers give flooring credits to us to help us through, you know, the first 30-ish days of having that car on the ground. But the point is this. is So, yes, our that is an expense that's a controllable if we keep it lower. The difference was is that we used to have, you know, when I'd had dealerships where we'd have a 1,000 cars on the ground. That really is, un, if you're selling 300 a month, you go, well, I need them because that's, you know, pushing up at 90 days. And if something uh, runs thin that we can kind of offset it. The point is, is that we've learned how to operate uh, with almost nothing. I mean, last month, I think, I told, I think I sold a total of 37 new. It doesn't sound like a lot, but we sold more used, but we had a, we had a good month as far as our profits and everything, the way it worked, we worked real well. But 
I, at one time for two weeks, I only had a rotating number of two cars on my showroom floor. So to be doing in the thirties with two cars is a pretty darn efficient job. I overturned my inventory over a hundred percent. I only sold what I had. So I could have, I believe I could have sold 50 or 60 real easy had I had that many cars. So I need more. I need more to have growth. I need more to have a selection for people. So back to your question of, um, you know, base model uh, car. The problem I have is if I have a, a CX-5 Sport, which is my base model, and I've only got a white one and you want a blue one, you really want your car now. Wouldn't it be nice if you had the blue one? Right. So what I'd like to have is a representation of most of the colors and whatnot. And we do de do dealer trades with other uh, dealers, but that doesn't mean we're always going to get it just because they have it. They might have it, might already have a deposit on it, or they don't feel like trading that car. They control it. We don't. And so we kind of do as a courtesy to each other. I'd like to have enough, but not too many like we used to. I mean, I don't need to have 150 or 175 um, new cars on the ground. Well, that's one of the things you've learned from COVID that's made you probably a more efficient dealer, right? I, I mean, learned from COVID that I get tired real easy now. No, that, After 17 too. days at home. But yeah. I don't. I don't I learned like a lot from COVID. I don't like to talk about COVID, okay. but the last question that I have actually involves COVID. And it's, look, we've heard the term endemic, and it's coming supposedly to an end. You can go, uh, went to a baseball game a couple weeks ago, and there were nobody wearing masks. And it was like, wow, this is, it's almost like, it's almost like you're going to church and you're not wearing a tie. I mean, it's kind of how it feels. But are we going to get to a point where the vehicle prices may come down? A little bit as we get through quote unquote the endemic and hopefully somebody deals with the issue in ukraine yeah but i don't think they're gonna come down a lot because remember what i just said earlier it's learned behavior so right. now the manufacturer already knows the deal they know they can make more with less so right. but if if other dealers if they go back to some of the ways that they had before where one manufacturer says you know what i'm going to make sure that our dealers have an absurd amount of stuff on 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 hand and it makes them more i don't know makes them more customer friendly because they can go and actually get that blue car if they want it you think that's going to happen that may affect it to an extent yeah but i think it's going to take about 10 years oh, okay i mean I, they, you know you look at the evolution of what happened i mean if you went back to 1985 there were no incentives on cars and then as uh, it progressed forward and you know our uh, annual number of cars you know rocketed up into the 18 million range is that when you're making, they're making that many cars on the, you know, on the if gum on that deal, whether or not they're actually going to sell them. When they start getting into a lull, they have to start throwing money after them. And the reason they have to do that is because they have to keep their production going. So if I've got, you know, 20, whatever sitting on the lot and I don't need them and the manufacturer calls me. And I remember the days when the job of a district manager with a car manufacturer was wholesaling inventory. So they would call you and beg you, hey, if you take some of these, I'll get you some of those. And I'm like, I don't want them. I don't need them. No, please, you got to help me out. I mean, they're begging us to take them because that machine was rolling uh, in Detroit or wherever it was that they had to lay those cars down to us. And so they were making deals with us. And I remember making deals. Hey, I'll take those if you do this or you give me some more incentive money or whatever it happens to do to help me if we're going to do that program. Um, and and they would find a way to do it. They'd have to offer it to other dealers. And most other dealers are going, no, nah, I don't want to do it. And then I would. And it was advantageous, and then you could sell them if you were significantly less. But I just don't see it. Ha it it'll be an evolution that builds it back to that point to where, um, and then by then, we'll be selling electric cars instead of gas, and then that'll be the end of it. I don't think anything ever goes back to the way it was. 
we all, <clears throat> because we're learning more patience with COVID. I mean, four years ago, you would lose a customer if you didn't have what they wanted. And you say, you know, you got to order it and all that. People are getting more patient probably a little bit because they know they have to be. Or am I Our, wrong? But like I told Rob earlier, <clears throat> the problem with the ordering system of whatever you're doing with a car or a motorcycle or a boat or whatever, if it takes me six weeks to eight weeks to get a car, you know what can change in my life in six to eight weeks? Yeah. You know, I could die or I could change my mind or I could, uh, spend, or you, you could get pregnant, Andy. Spend 17 days wouldn't at home. Be the with first time. It wouldn't be the first time. Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but your, your entire situation could change. You could lose your job and you may think, okay, I don't want to get into another car payment right now because I've got to do. Yeah. Or the economy changes or I ordered a car and all of a sudden gas is $7 a gallon instead of five. Or and by the way, speaking of getting pregnant is I'm going to be a grandpa. Are you really? Really? I, I am. I mm, Grandpa Greg. Yep. My oldest daughter is and her husband are having a baby, and I think it's pretty darn awesome. So oh, when, we, when are they going to have it? There's going to be a little boy or a little girl. Questions, right. questions. We don't know yet. No. I, they probably know. They just haven't told my, them. I think there's going to be a reveal. <clears throat> my okay. nephew called me last night on speakerphone, speaking of, <clears throat> excuse me, and Sam called, and uh, he said, he said, Uncle Andy? I said, yeah. He said, Angela and I have something to tell you. We're going to be parents. We're going to have a baby. And I said, well, congratulations. Did you just find out? He said, no, we found out in December. We hadn't told anybody yet. It's like it's February. It's March. Well, so I probably shouldn't have said what I just said because everybody mm -hmm. is always worried, you know, the first couple of weeks. I mean, I, you oh, know. hold on. Just, just for a second here. You get a pass. You are grandpa. You're a grandpa Greg now. G they can. Grandpa Greg. Grandpa Greg. They can get a nice glass of, you know, shut up because you're grandpa Greg. Thank you. You're happy about having this grandbaby. I, am, get mad. I am beyond if they, excited. If they, yeah, so cops awesome. are mad. Yes. If they're not, if they shouldn't have told you, if you, they didn't want you telling everybody. Thank you. That's how that works. You know, now, if you I come feel... on and if you come on and give out the gender before everybody else, so that they can have that that nice session where I don't know they have the gender reveal with yeah. the cake or whatever silliness they come up with, then that might be a little bit out there. But but they haven't told me that, so there is well, there, that reveal. But they, they they haven't told me. Well, good. That's because they probably would. You probably because it would end up on here. a podcast. Yeah, exactly. exactly. They, my daughter's not stupid. No, absolutely not. Well, anyway, so well, it's it's good though, and I'm very excited about it. That's awesome. What are you gonna have the kid call you? Is it Papa, Grandpa, Jeepaw, Jeepaw? My dad was Jeepaw. So, and I love my dad. So I, I said, I said, I'll pick that one. Where do they live? Uh, they live in Charlotte. Okay. So you're going to be close. Close. I hope they move uh, here. I would, there, there is some consideration for that. I know, I don't know that they're going to for a fact, but I think they're floating the idea. My daughter is a teacher and she could pretty much work where she wants. And my son-in-law is in IT for Lowe's corporate. And yeah. I think he can pretty much work where he wants to. Well, uh, under that logic, I I'll help move some stuff. If we get the grandbaby here and we get pictures of you on the tractor with the grandbaby just moving dirt around your yard, I can see that happening. I'm going to teach that kid how to drive the tractor. What are you talking about? Exactly. <laughs> At six months. At six months old. <laughs> uh, I can't believe you held that from us for all this time. And you, how much you is all this time? When we did spent you, all day. You've been here all day. I swear, I'm, I'm going to get you a T-shirt that says, I'm G-Paw and you're not. I'm going to get there that made yeah. for you. Deal yeah, with I it. I kept it from you all, all day, and now you, I laid it out. There Again, you. congratulations yeah. to G-Paw. I Greg. had nothing to do with it. Don't say anything so, else. All good. End the show on that because it's positive. All right. And Make like sure it. that you please like, subscribe, and share the show. We're on pretty and, much And every hit the notification bell because I have friends of mine go, well, I didn't know it came on. It's It loads on YouTube every Friday at noon. But Every if Friday you don't hit the notification bell, it doesn't tell you, hey, the podcast is up. Yeah. And, and I think we got some pretty good stuff here. Yeah. We, we do have some thinking. good stuff. It's good stuff. We right. have our moments. We do. 
But our moments are over for today. Thanks for listening and watching. What's good out of the hood?